Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to this week's Grow Guides from High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersisGrowRoom.com. This episode of Grow Guides is a little bit different than the rest of them. This is just a listener Q&A episode where we take some time to answer some of the questions that have been sent in by some of our listeners. So uh, we cover things like bud washing, uh, how to get caterpillars out of buds, uh, what you should do about lighting when growing outdoors, you know, if there's light leaks from roads or security lights, things like that. Just random questions about random things. Uh, next week, we'll continue to the normal schedule and talk in more detail about different processes of the growth cycle of cannabis plants, you know, different methods of growing and things like that as well. We just wanted to get this listener Q&A episode out of the way so we can answer any questions that anybody had on the process so far. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Don't forget to share it if you can. That would be cool. But of course, not necessary if it's a security risk for you. Don't do that. If you have any questions that you'd like us to cover on any of the episodes in the future, then head over to PersysGrowRoom.com. There's a thread there in the high and homegrown section, and you'll be able to ask us any question you like over there. And we'll answer it at the end of one of our Grow Guides episodes in the near future. So anyway, enjoy this episode, and I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. Yeah, so, so far, this is like Grow Guides 33, maybe 32. We're way up there, done lots and lots of different Grow Guide sections and run through shitloads of everything you need to know about growing cannabis, really. So we're running out of different topics to go into, but we're going to be going into more detail into like hydroponics and talk about DWC, things like that as we move into the future. But we just want to jump in with this, this episode here where we're just going to do Q&A to answer any questions anybody might have about what we've discussed in the previous 30 episodes or any questions in general about their grow, if they want to improve it, if they're having problems, anything like that. So we have some questions that are already in the forum, but if, you are, if you're in the YouTube uh, live feed right now, you can ask us a question. Just put a cue before the question so we know it's a question for us and it's not just a comment in the chat. So... Questions, everybody. Questions, questions. Where do we even start? There's so many questions to growing weed. Why do you grow weed? Yeah, why do you? I mean, that's that's, <laughs> that's a philosophical kind of question rather than the... Uh, Another guy you want to do today? Okay. <laughs> no, let's what, do it, man. Do you know, why do you do it? I mean, I do it. I don't do it right now. You know, having a break right now, but because I fucking enjoy it, man. I enjoy weed and I enjoy the process of growing it. And, you know, it's much cheaper to grow your own than it is to go out and fucking buy it and stick of waiting 15 minutes for that guy that still ain't here. It's still ain't here, right? He's still around the corner. You know what I'm saying? Still around that fucking corner. I don't know. What'd you do, monkey? Uh, I I initially started it for uh, availability. Make sure I could have it when I wanted it, that kind of stuff like that. But, Mm. I mean, it became very obvious that there's way more to this than just growing weed. I mean, it's after medicine is growing it myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it heals about, the mind what about you marge what's your reasons i'd say fun and pleasure mm-hmm. <laughs> um i mean i've been doing it for a while and it's kind of evolved over time so now i'm doing more micro grows and outdoor in the summertime when it you know when it allows but 
I just really enjoy watching the plants grow. Like I really love going out. My, my outdoor right now is just out on my back deck and Mm -hmm. I really like going out there and sitting beside her in the evenings and getting that whiff of weed Mm -hmm. when I'm sitting there. That lovely aromatherapy. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had somebody over last night. We were sitting outside and she's just like, oh, I keep getting these, this smell of weed. I'm like, she's like sitting right next to the plant. So, so yeah, I don't know what that is. It's like, them yeah, degenerate it's neighbors. <laughs> you know, it's, the whole process of it is just so enjoyable. So mm-hmm. did she but, not know what she was sitting next to a plant? Oh yeah. She totally did. It was my daughter. <laughs> she, she smoked a ton of weed on that deck. So oh, yeah, she, right. she wasn't yeah. sure until she turned her head and got her hair stuck in it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Bobo Hawk? What's your reasons? Um, much the same. So I started many years ago because I love smoking weed and got sick of paying for it and waiting for it. So thought, you know, I'll give it a crack. And um, from there, then uh, obviously you realize the medicinal benefit and the fiscal benefit. And um, from there, yeah, just kept kept going with it because I enjoy it. Really, I just enjoy being able to go in and have a look at my plants and big whiff of the terpenes coming off them. And so yeah, mainly, mainly just the fun of it now, but um, I mean, you get the extra benefits, but it's mm-hmm. really a thera- therapeutic sort of thing now. What about you, Steve? I just like growing stuff. Cause a lot of the stuff that I can get is much better quality or mm. different terpene profile than what the stores have mm-hmm. and, you know, price point too. But oftentimes I can usually get a little bit from some of the people I'm working with pretty easily. So I don't, haven't grown it uh, recently, especially with the traveling and stuff I've been doing. But when I do like to grow, I like to grow weird stuff, stuff that has different terpene profiles or um, land race stuff, stuff that you're not going to see at a, at a dispo. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a, we'll move on to this next, next, next question before we move on to the list of things. Because this, this is a good question here from Tinkle Tink in the chat. Uh, and it's, it's always up for debate. You know, we have, does soil... The soil-grown cannabis have more flavor than hydroponic-grown cannabis. I mean, that's pretty well, much what he's saying. That's not exactly what he said, but, you know, that's uh, pretty much... Huge debate on this one. My gosh. Well, how that works is, so you have to think about it uh, this way. So what are terpenes? Terpenes are secondary metabolites, so are flavonoids, which are the two things that are going to make up flavor and, and terpenes, and, and, and to a lesser extent, color. Uh, the purple in your plant is anthocyanin, which is a flavonoid. Um, so... Why is the plant making those and spending the energy on that? It's, it's to basically defend itself against an environmental uh, factor like UV or wind or lack of humidity or too much humidity or whatever, um, or to defend itself against molds or insects or some other thing that's going to harm the plant. So how do you stimulate the plant to do those and produce those secondary metabolites as much as possible? You need to increase the biodiversity of the root system as much as possible. So the more different species you have in the root system of the plant, be it aquaponics, living soil, however you want to do it, um, as long as you have a super biodiverse um, uh, microbial community in the root system uh, of the plant, or even foliar spraying it in some cases, um, that's how you get those high secondary metabolite expressions. Steve had made a great point in there. You know, and, you know, and I am a cocoa grower. I don't grow in soil, but mm-hmm. I also add JMS to, to the mix and lac- lactobacillus into the mix and other microbes to, to increase the diversity in, into mm-hmm. my median down in there and try and compensate. Also adding uh, compost teas, worm teas in there occasionally into the mix just to mix things up, you know? And so, I mean, yeah, what grows better weed? Uh, whatever you think does. 
Well, that's how, that's how I see it. I mean, I've grown in DWC, I've grown in cocoa, and I've done living soil. And I can't really say that anything in specific makes better cannabis than anything else. I mean, it's all been good shit. You know, it sort of had mm-hmm. a great load of flavor, but there's definitely some kind of scientific reasoning behind the more microbes you have in the medium. Yeah, adding microbes in cocoa has been uh, like earth shattering for me. It's, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. really changed changed the way I'm looking at it. Bacteria is important to the the smell, man. You know, it, it seems that way. Anyway, it's like the plant uses the bacteria to make it more pungent, and more tasty at the end. But I don't know. Is that just uh, particular phenotypes? It's so difficult to tell. We need some proper testing on it to see what happens. I don't know. So different things will trigger different responses. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, aquaponics, we tend to get transneridol and cisneridol and a bunch of other terpenes that you don't see hardly ever expressed in large levels um, in soil, but in aquaponics, they can be the dominant terpene. So you get, depending on what your microbial community is, you can end up with very different um, expressions of those terpenes. But we should, because uh, we've got another great question here as well from Jinx, but we'll get to that in a bit, Jinx. We're going to move on to... Uh some of the questions that we had on the list from the forum as well. Let's have a look. What do we have? I'll add that one to the list so we don't forget it. From Gellert, is the stretch considered to be the last bit of veg or the start of flour? Basically, I'm asking, do I wait for the stretch to be done to be considered the first day of flour? Thanks, guys. Um, Debatable on that one, but I'll answer answer it personal preference. Me, I wait till I actually see flowers on the plant to call Mm -hmm. it day one of flower. And I also still keep the nutrition of the plant based upon veg until I see flowers. Yeah, it's exactly Mm -hmm. the same for me. So so most cultivars will actually take about uh, two weeks, uh, uh, 24 days, I'm sorry, 24 days, not not two weeks, uh, 24 days uh, to to switch into flowering and stop stretching. There's a really good white paper Mm -hmm. from one of the um, aquaponics companies out of Canada that did a really cool extensive study across a whole bunch of different um, strains and found that it was pretty universal between 22 and 25 mm-hmm. days, but 23 nice. being the average. That's from you flip the lights, then it's 24 days. That, to stop stretching vertically. Right. Correct? Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. I mean, it goes on for a lot longer than people expect for sure. And you can tell the plant kind of settles down on like the, the fourth. The third, fourth week of flower, you know, after you've flipped the the lights about three or four weeks after that, it does start to settle down and sort of on a, goes into cruise control and just fattens out flowers from there. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the first two, three weeks when it's going through the regenerative sta- stage, yeah, mm-hmm. it can be dodgy as well. So personally, I'm the same as monkey. I consider flowering when I first see flowers forming, you know, you'll see hairs first, but don't just... Uh, Go with that. Well, you know, if it's female, you're going to see hairs. So, and then I'd wait a few more days till the flowers uh, they start to like actually form. The little pom poms are starting to show. Mm-hmm. When I see those, that's when I consider my first day flowering. And that's when I'll change the nutrients over to flowering nutrients because the flowers are there now. They need mm-hmm. a specific type of nutrients to feed themselves that. So that's the way I do it. And it works well, really well. If you go and buy the breeder's information on the seed bank, if you do it that way, you're going to be much closer to at the end. I find that if you try to count from the flip, it seems like it never wants to be finished, you know, mm-hmm. it, because it, you've got at least like, like Steve was saying, at least two to three weeks that you're sitting there waiting for the thing to actually be in full flower before you can actually start counting that meter. Mm-hmm. 
Right, what about you, Marge? Sure. Is this safe for you? Well, it, I don't know if it really applies right now as much when I'm doing the microgrows because mm. I let them grow a little bit and then I switch it to a 12-12 light cycle pretty pretty quickly. All right. You're doing 12-12 on autos as well? Well, I'm, I'm growing them all from seed. I'm pretty much using just photo seeds for that. I've been oh, saving cool. the autos for, for the outdoor stuff. Sweet. Yeah, because that works really well with my climate that I'm working with. So you, yeah, just straight into after. What about you, Bubba Hawk? What's your thing? Um, usually, once I get about a week into stretch, that's when I start um, introducing a little bit of PK, only because I push it really hard. You so do push <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, look, I, I I'm not not upset with the results, so I can't complain. No. Um, but I do find that if I don't introduce in that first week of stretch, I do end up having issues once stretch is over where it's it's showing uh, a little bit of a deficiency. So I add a little bit just just to give it that little bit. Um, it's already there, ready to go. And then um, I then once stretch is over, I'll start backing off the veg just a touch and, and increasing that um, the boosters and things like that. And you, Steve, what, yeah. what's your plan? What do you do? I like to add, I mean, we'll switch even one to two weeks before we flip them and start boosting that stuff up, maybe at a half dose. So, um, you know, not not a full flower dose, but enough to start getting them transitioning already. Is that in soil, though? Uh, nutrient, in, in soil or aqu aquaponics, both. Right, right. I'm going to give that a shot and see if it makes any difference. Yeah, man. Mm. So we have more questions. We have one from Phil Lee Bones, who has got a few questions on the list today. But we'll start off with this one. Bud washing. What's your mix for the clean? Also wondering if a hand-spinning paintbrush cleaner would help disperse the water. I don't know what a hand-spinning paintbrush cleaner is. Anybody? You want to? I'd be like think... one of those lettuce spinners on machine. Yeah, I think he's talking salad spinner type thing. Yeah. People who have successfully washed that I know about basically don't even use any kind of a spinner or thing that get the water off the buds. They would just turn them over and gently shake off the water and hang them in front mm -hmm, of a fan mm -hmm. and let the air moving air dry them so that you wouldn't damage yeah. the trichomes as much. Yeah. Hmm. Try and baby the trichomes as much as possible, like yeah. Steve said. That's it, be you gentle. You lose some, but you, you got to be gentle. Got to be real gentle. And there's a good guide over on percysgrowroom.com, right, which will tell you everything you need to know about bud washing. So for go free. check that out. If you, yeah, for free. Absolutely free. 100%. Now it sounds sarcastic. It's going to be one million dollars. You can see the first five words of the article, <laughs> and then it's behind the paywall. Like 99 cents for the next paragraph. <laughs> yeah, for Paying Bitcoin here. <laughs> 99 cents per 100 words. That's a deal. Wow. It's a steal. <laughs> it's the deal of the fucking century. Who knows that movie? Yeah, come on. Where's the quote from, everybody? Yeah, bud washing is a good one. Uh, that's about it, really. There's a good guide over on percysgrowing.com, which will explain it all to you. I think uh, bud washing is good if the buds are dirty or infected with something, but it's not necessary if you've been growing indoors. You know, you'll be fine. But unless you unless you open those tent flaps and your animals are running around in the room and you got hair and stuff all over it, then maybe because it's never nice to smoke hair. Mm. But um, no, 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 no. But if everything else is good and you keep it, you know, you keep it's your half room Labrador, clean and tidy. man. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't hair, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is in my buds. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what else do we have here? Uh, where were we? Water curing as well. This is an interesting one. It's something I've never done. Water curing. Is it bro science? I've never tried it. Have you guys? This is essentially when you're going to get your buds. When they're still wet, you've chopped down the plant, harvested it, and you've trimmed up your bud. You stick them in like a, a nylon stocking or socks or bull bag, something like that. And then you put them in water, uh, like in a bowl of water, and just leave them sitting there for a while. And this apparently, allegedly, pulls the chlorine out of the plant and brings it the chlorophyll sorry monkey yeah the chlorophyll out of the plant and brings it into the water which can reduce the amount of chlorophyll that's in the plant matter and give you a smoother smoke at the end but is it really worth it i've never done it i haven't found it necessary but anybody the chlorophylls the chlorophyll is bound in the cellulose how is it going to escape with water that doesn't make any sense yeah i don't it's never really made sense to me I know the water does turn green, but I don't know exactly why. I'm not a scientist or anything like that. And yeah. like Mackie, I've never done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these motherfuckers doing it a little bit of green dye just for a YouTube video, you know. <laughs> it was the algae that was living on the leaf surface, probably. Mm. Look at maybe. it. Oh, maybe just refraction. No, the light bouncing off the fucking plant and reflecting around the bowl where it's in and shit. It might well, just I mean, look greener. You got to think also about how, okay, if the water turned a slight tinge of green, is that maybe what half a percent of the chlorophyll maybe you removed? Is, is it worth it? Did it do enough to actually make it worth the trouble? The American one be- said here, here, it works. I know people who've done it, but it takes terps too, which is completely and unnecessary. No, game no. over. It's not a deal. Exactly. No, I'm all about Stop terps. talking about this. It. Don't do it. <laughs> I wonder if it's I wonder if it's like you know how a lot of rivers and that when they when trees and things fall down and they release tannins into the water I wonder if it's mm. a similar idea with the yeah. water curing you know yeah well that's a good point you can carry it, it won't smell and smoke it and it won't stink up the place but I mean if you're going for a stealth thing mm. that's a good point I suppose mm. I've never done yeah. it myself so a lot of places in Africa they'll take like a corn stalk and break out the corn and then put it in like the corn husk, you know, with the end on it and then tie it up in that and bury it to age it. But I think that's going to work way better than the water. (laughs) Mm. Well, you know what you can do, anybody out there, sometimes you get them them harvests where you've got a little bit more than what you need. You know, maybe I should just experiment with this one. This plant, I'm not going to trim. It's going to dry trim it. You know, leave it to dry complete, then trim it. So if you, you know, sometimes you have that option because you have enough, you're like, I'm good now. This can be just play weed. You know, so then try it with, a, take a couple of buds off and go water cure it. See what happens. See if you like it. See if you enjoy it more. And then you can report, do a, a, a thread over on Percy's. Mm. And then we and can, then all, can know. all know. It's free. Right. free I have to actually. Sacrifice actually, the bud. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I could actually take a plant, cut it in half and do that. You know, give mm. it a yeah. shot. Why not? For science. Mm. That's for science. So a couple of colas and water cure them and, and just do the regular dry trim on the rest and see the difference. Mm-hmm. Who knows? If it all does, if, if it all turns pear shaped, edibles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you can always head over to bite me the show about edibles to mm-hmm. get some inspiration over there. That's also free. right. Also free. Also free. Anytime. Also free. free time. <laughs> see, all this free content on the internet is fucking awesome. That's you know? right. 
we have another question. Where should we go next? That was water curing. Billy Bonds, of course, he had a couple of questions, but I've only brought one with us for some reason. You know why, Billy. You know why. <laughs> Billy Bonds, what's the longest plant you have had in veg? Nice, interesting question. What are you saying, Marge? What's your longest plant in veg? Uh, I'm trying to think like when I had a bigger operation going, nothing crazy. Like I was, I've never had anything like six months or anything like that. And when you're doing the micro girls, like they're in veg for like. Yeah. Three weeks. <laughs> That's right. They're in veg till they're sexually mature pretty much. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, done. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not long. I don't think I'm the best person to answer that question because I don't have a wild and crazy answer for Billy Bonds. And that's what he's looking for, I think. Yeah. Well, yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I haven't really done, I mean, the longest one, maybe like 12 weeks. And that was on that uh, super lemon haze lemon I did haze a couple of years yep. ago. Yeah. Just stretched that into in a four foot by four foot tent, one plant in a 75 liter pot. And Vegged it and trained it into a screen. It took fucking ages and then flowered it. And I heard a lot of mm, 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 from that mm, one too. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, that's when I smoked a ridiculous <laughs> amount of weed. So, you know, that didn't last very long, man. But this lemon tree has lasted forever. It's fucking great. I'm enjoying mm -hmm. it. I just can choose when I smoke rather than feeling like I have to. So, very cool. What about you, Bubble? What you got? What you got a long one? No, ah, longest there you go, Billy. That's for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon probably the longest it would have would have been just under six months. And that's only because I was using it as a mother, not for any other real reason. Um, I've never just well, I mean, outdoor, that's a good point, Jeff. You know, out, outdoor in Australia, you could probably push six months plus, depending on where you were, as to keeping it in veg because of light hours. Uh, but that's you know, if you're going to do it indoors indefinitely, I mean, I know, I know people that have ones that they've been going for a few years and I know in the States, there's quite a few companies that do it. Um, and I'm sure in, in Canada as well, you know, to, to keep a strain line running um, to, for consistency in their product, they, you know, they've got ones that have been going, I think I saw one the other day and it was like five years or something. Well, when when we spoke bed. to Milo Young a long time ago, Big Butter himself, he told us, cheese. yeah, he has the original mother, of the cheese man so plant can be kept going and that, that's like 20 years old 25 years old it's an old one it's a classic shit that actually makes me feel good though if i want to order seeds i'm going to get the original seeds from him mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. big butter makes the good shit man that big mm. butter's blue cheese motherfuckers i've seen some moms at some facilities that were over a year old year and a half old had trunks on them that were like this on the bottoms Damn. yeah <laughs> trees super cool yep. man. But especially if you have a good line and it's still got the vigor like mm -hmm. what's the problem you know until it starts slowing down or gets root bound who cares what about you monkey how long have you had a the, i'm just thinking about that the longest one i've ever had around this is one right now it's strawberry cough in the tent from the last grow and the only reason it's been around long is because they had no place to live and now after i threw it in the tent it had already switched outside to flowering and had to re-veg it and things like that so i guess overall time it's been around now is about three months and it's just about ready to start re-vegging now sweet so but i don't really keep them around for any reason i'm usually you know germinate them bloom them next mm. uh, especially indoors i suppose that's the other right. part of that 
Right. And I grow in small tents. I really, I can't afford big plants. Hmm. I have another interesting one here from Phil. He says, I one time poured carbonated Topo Chico. That must be the brand of water. It at is. At the base of a cannabis plant. And it seemed to like it a lot. Why mm -hmm. is that? Carbon dioxide in that water. It, but hmm. is that going into the root zone? Is that going to bubble the roots? That's going to bubble up through the soil anyway. What about a Topo Chico also has a lot of it's a mineral water, so it's going to have uh, okay. you know, other things in it that the right. plant's going to like too. So you said carbonate. If it, it is, it depends on what carbonate it is, because if it's calcium carbonate or magnesium carbonate, or there's uh, or no carbonated like a fizzy drink, fizzy water. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, carbonated yeah. water. Yeah, it's carbonated mineral water from from Mexico. Topo Chico. It's got carbon dioxide, right? It's uh, been compressed into it or something and that will escape and get to the plant blue and be a tiny amount yeah but it, i mean it's going to also like i said it's going to have trace it's a mineral being a mineral water mm -hmm. and all that stuff like that who knows exactly what it's got in it but it's probably got calcium that the plant's going to like who knows again need to test it mate you need to get two plants you need to give some the carbon carbonated and some normal water and see which ones prefer it percy's member cola cody had uh his wife got a little wasted one night and watered a clone with uh, one of these LaCroix carbonated water things. And, and then they thought it was, the plant was going to die. And actually, it liked it. Okay. So you never know with these plants, you know. Mm -hmm. I'd, my only comment would be that'd be like a pretty expensive way to start watering your plants. Yeah. It would be. I think it was just like, <laughs> oh, this plant's being neglected here. Like, you can have some of my whatever. Yeah. But if you're going to do that all the time, like those ladies, yeah. those are like, they're high maintenance ladies. So. I'd, be, I'd <laughs> yeah. be concerned about the acidity of that over time too it's pretty acidic yeah i would think the acidity i, I would, would agree mm -hmm. uh, the carbonic acid from the carbonation is going to put it down in, in a pretty low range well you know mike mike tyson feeds his pigeons bottled water so if you want to feed your cannabis plants fizzy bottled water why the fuck not <laughs> give it a try <laughs> mike tyson yeah he keeps pigeons like shitloads yeah. of pigeons oh. and he, you, you He's like a, one of like six or eight like top tier master pigeon breeders or some some weird yeah, exclusive yeah. thing. Yeah, you he's, wouldn't he's expect that, would you? Yeah, that's pigeons are why he started boxing. Actually, some kid beat up his thing and killed his pigeon, and he beat the shit out of him and realized he was good at fighting. Mm. <laughs> wow, guy loves pigeons and mushrooms. Pigeons. <laughs> Don't mess with his pigeons or his shrooms. Phil also asks you BT spray. Anybody know what that is? Yep. Okay. Okay. Is it safe to use when your plants are in flower? And yes, I would be washing buds at harvest. Yeah, you, you can use it in flower up until like the week of. It's non-toxic to humans. Uh, I've always yeah. been skeptical. Just I don't know what you see, but I find it that the grades of that stuff vary a lot between different different providers. Some of it has a very awful odor to it, and others more normal. What I would think. But, There's a lot of different strains you can get, and if you get yeah. them more like from an agricultural supplier, you can yeah. buy just the powder without all the carriers and stuff, and it's a lot cleaner for use on cannabis. Perfect. That's what I was referring but, to because some of the some of the liquids that I've gotten, you know, with the dyes and stuff in it, it just has an awful smell to it. Yeah, just get the dry powder or the, the ready-to-use powder or there's a uh, monorays isn't too bad either. But um, there's also different species, right? So like 
you have ones for grasshoppers, you have ones for caterpillars, you have ones for beetles. There's one that's specifically for scarab beetles, like Japanese beetles. So mm-hmm. make sure that when you're purchasing BT, you're actually purchasing one that's going to you like the strain is actually rated for the stuff you're trying to kill. Because I think a lot of people that use BT are buying like the wrong uh, type of it and then going, this doesn't work when they're just not buying the right product. Yeah, in his case, he's got caterpillars in the bud, so that's right. what he needs. Yeah, I mean, wash the buds at the end. I don't really like spraying any kind of liquid onto flowers whatsoever. I don't want to increase mold spores to germinate on the buds and get bud rot, pretty much. So I try not to let that happen. But, you know, it, it rains when they're grown outdoors and they're absolutely fine. So you could essentially spray your buds with something and they'll be fine. I just don't if want to take can, that risk growing indoors. If you can get aureus, especially if you don't have a huge operation, well, it works good for that too, but mm. aureus, uh, um, pirate bugs, minute pirate bugs, those work really well against caterpillars and, and particularly later in the season can be a pretty good defense. Mm, nice. Uh, the other one is, um, what's the name of the little, there's a parasitic wasp. Um, Trichoderma. No, uh, wasp, trichogama, trichogama. That's the one. Yeah, trichogama is a really good as well. Uh, but you have to release it when there's eggs out. So oh, fuck that. Kind of Don't like be releasing the wasps <laughs> anyway. What the fuck? Oh, these are tiny little. Smaller than bees. They're, they're guilty by association. They're fuck a parasitic them. wasp. They inject their stuff into, <laughs> into the caterpillars and, and you know kill them that way. So it's they're very cool. Savage. And you have different species of wasps too for your local, like I got a bunch of cool pictures of the different local ones that attack the ones in Oklahoma because I've been trying to document like what species they are so that, you know, hopefully we can pass that on to the right people and maybe try to get those under cultivation as well. Mm-hmm. Just don't like wasps, bro. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's They're a lot really, of good ones, like, especially depending bro. on what you're fighting. And most wasps are actually, they have no interest at all in you. If, if you're if you're a danger to them, they'll mess with you. If yeah, you're that's not, what they all say, man. But I've been stung randomly for no reason, just walking down the road, enjoying my day, and a wasp stings me. I was like, well, fuck you too. Well, no, in, in <laughs> fact, caterpillar, you know, for caterpillar control, regular old wasps are really good for that. There's many different times that I've seen out in large-scale multi-acre grows out scouting, and I see a wasp fly over and grab a caterpillar and take off with it. <laughs> um you know they'll, they'll they'll remember they're carnivores they eat meat like oh, caterpillar is like basically a steak that doesn't move very fast right so yeah. it's super easy pickings for them and a yeah. lot of these wasps can detect different hormones from these different caterpillars and, and hunt them down so like um you know if you do have a good wasp nest near your garden leave it alone let them do their thing and you're going to have a lot fewer pests in your garden yep but you'll have wasps you do the yeah. math. Well, you know what? The wasps are great too, because when the rippers come, <laughs> they, they they don't know where the wasps are and they piss the wasps off. And then you get to watch the that's rippers. That's a good point. That's a good point. Point. The camera. That's a good reason. And then, for and then sure. you trip them and then you throw them in the wood chipper and you make them into HAA and you put them back in the garden to grow next year's crop. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that bit out for you, Steve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we have more questions too. Yeah, so don't keep wasps in the garden. I'm just saying, or do. <laughs> oh, it's a difficult one. That ripper argument made it at the end there. It's like shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> they are good for something. Because I wouldn't go into a garden where it's... I'm not listening uh, to any buzzing. Got, I'm going. I've got wasp all over my garden, man, and they don't bother us at all. Honestly. 
only because you're flame throwers out of fuel because you don't want to fill it up because it's like 10 pounds no, a gallon. They're on the flowers, <laughs> you know. They just they just want to do their thing. Leave them alone, you know. Yeah. No, man. As you can tell, I've got kind of a, a vendetta against wasps. Yeah. Clearly, you smelled like a caterpillar if you got stung. They started it, man. <laughs> they started it. They started yeah. this war. <laughs> I mean, come on, wasps beat aphids and all other kind of bad things like that. They'll eat spider mites. Uh, spider mites are too little. I've seen them just a little snack. in my garden going after them. You get a bad infestation in there and they're after the webs going up. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but uh, I don't spray for the mites. They go away by themselves after a while. So you have an interesting one here. Um, from Phil again, this one. It says, growing outdoors, at what temperature does it start to burn trichomes off your plants? I wasn't aware this happened. Does this happen? It's above yeah. 88 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. How warm is that in like but no one's ever proven that that like it's escaping <laughs> the trichome heads in a live plant, but that's when you're gonna it's like 87 or 88 degrees Fahrenheit is when I think you start getting the first one to off gas. Right. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So they're evaporating, yeah. Mm. So so there you go, Phil. Interesting one, man. Interesting. I didn't know that happened. This would, I assume, is uh, happening indoors yeah. as well if your grow room gets too warm. It's about 31, 32 degrees for you, Mackie. So right. Yeah. Right. So there you go, Phil. We've got one, no, two more from Phil. Thanks for all the questions, Phil. You know, if anybody has any questions in chat, don't forget to drop some there and we'll answer them. We've still got uh, 20 minutes or so left. So we've got plenty of questions, uh, time to answer questions. Uh, growing outdoors and a neighbor has outdoor motion lights. This good question, this one, Phil. Uh, what plants would be better for you to grow photo period or auto flowering? Autos. Yeah, autos, man. Any, anything that disturbs the night cycle, then it's going to cause a photo period plant to probably hermy or not flower at all, man. So go with that. Oh, the easier, easier way to solve this is to tell them that it's keeping your child up at night and they need to take the bulb out. Mm, or, just, or just sneak over there and, and unscrew the bulb and don't say anything. There you go. <laughs> keep swapping it out with bad light bulbs yeah you're gonna get shot me. doing that <laughs> i remember having an across the street neighbor that had a, a floodlight that was aimed directly at my front door and i'd remember one night just had enough of it and late at night just unscrewing that bulb and i swear we moved three years later and that and that light was still unscrewed <laughs> <laughs> it worked yeah man any kind of light outside you know if it's by a road you know, train tracks sometimes. You know, there's loads of things that can cause light in the middle of the night. So if you've got anything like that, any risk of anything like that, just go for autos to make it easy. Does make it easier. Mm -hmm. Just to be sure. You, you don't want seeds in your weed. Yeah. So uh, what else do we have here? We got another one from Phil. What came first? A cannabis <laughs> plant or potential or potential caveman stoner? I think it's got to be the cannabis plant. How are you going to be stoned if you don't have if you don't have the plant? You know, cannabis been around you know, what, for a long thinking? time, man. Well, the I mean, early cannabis that. distribution overlaps with the Denisovan distribution, so there's a whole theory that the Denisovans are the ones that spread it. Nice. What were you saying, March? I was just going to say maybe you needed the caveman smoker to realize the potential of the cannabis plant. That is actually true. And therefore, they came first because the cannabis plant didn't know what it was until it was discovered by the cavemen. <laughs> and then the now universe realized what it had that's right the caveman stoner said i can make more of this yes you think you said it in english <laughs> probably <laughs> do, you, do you think the caveman got smart enough to 
figure out how to smoke weed because he was taking mushrooms with the oh, whole stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Deep theory. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we- you had to see the cannabis plant under the influence of mushrooms to realize what it was. That's that's what I think. Yeah, shit, shit like that. I mean, people got on mushrooms and then was like, yo, Phil, go and do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> grab that foot, grab that tree there and stick it on, on the fire, and see what happens. And they sit inside the cave and it's like the first hot box ever. And they just they got the little campfire inside the cave, throw a ganja plant on it, and then 10 minutes later they're all like, yo, this is some good shit. And they do that every day now. <laughs> yeah, is that is that why all those caves are black roofs? Because they're in their hot box and that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they need to test that smoke. They need to do it. But mm-hmm. cannabis has been around for a couple of million years, for maybe even longer, right? It's been around for a long time. So I assume it's been around before humans. So I think the cannabis... It's the back to 2.2 million. Mm. It's a long way, man. wonder what, you know, real land races... That would have been mm-hmm. interesting to try. Hasn't been fucked with anybody at any time ever. Well, what's interesting is the genes that make THC actually were added by a virus. The plant didn't evolve them, which is interesting. Mm. That's a uh, um, monkey. Did you have something to say about this? What do you think came first, the cannabis plant or the potential caveman smoker? Well, like I said, it has to be the cannabis plant. There's just no question mm-hmm. because I mean, without the cannabis plant, you can't have a potential stoner. Mm-hmm. So, that's what about just, you, Marge? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I was just kind of joking around that you know you needed the uh, the can the cannabis smoker to realize the potential of the cannabis plant. But monkey, you're probably right. But who knows? Who knows? Who Graham really Hancock knows. knows. If the tree falls in the forest, <laughs> nobody's around to hear it. Does it make a sound? Well, was the potential stoner like walking past a forest fire of a cannabis forest, uh, cannabis infested <laughs> forest, and just happened to have smoke inhalation and realized, hey, this is kind of cool. I mean, how did he figure out he she? that you have to burn this stuff and then inhale the, inhale the vapors to get the, get the effect of it. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, one no day we may one. have time machines and we'll be able to find We out could go back shit. to the minute that-, that Maybe we are the first cavemen people who try <laughs> cannabis. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Maybe you are. Sure. <laughs> But what else do we have? Uh, let's go. There was a question from yeah. Filmy Bulls also over there at Percy's and Listener's Mail. He said he's going trying to convert an office metal cabinet that's two feet by three feet by six foot tall into a drying cabinet. What kind of materials would he need for this process? Um, or, well, a lot of that's going to depend upon the environment you're trying to dry in. Do you, I mean, are you, is this a warm environment? Are you going to need to cool it? Is it a dry environment? Is uh, it, much much to talk about in that to make a drying cabinet or i mean you need you're going to need an extractor first of all no question about that you're going to need some kind of a humidity sensor and you're going to need something to control your humidity mm. i think it would be better to go with a cardboard box rather than a filing cabinet if that was possible well was that just... wasn't the question the question was how to convert a cabinet though yeah, but it's, it just, I don't know, it seems dodgy drying it in, in a metal container, essentially, you know what I mean? That would be no different than drying it in a tent, you know? Mm. I mean, still, you're going to, you, I, I would basically set it up the same way I would set up a drying tent. Yeah, I mean, do what you got to do, use what you have, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, for me, my drying tent is an air-con room, so I'm not as, as worried about mm. the humidity and whatnot. I can control that very easily inside of this room, so the tent basically needs to have proper airflow, 
and some kind of a, a, a control to, to let me, you know, vent or not vent based upon what the humidity in the tent is. And that works for me. But in your environment, if you're in a dry environment, you may need a way to add any humidity into a lung room or take the humidity out if you're in a wet environment in a lung room. So I can't, the question is vague. Yeah, I'd just say, don't do it. You know, get a cardboard box, but you know, <laughs> have you you got to drill a hole in the bottom and the top to have some kind of extraction in there. You got to have something yeah. for the fan to be blowing around. Should... Up for something under a hundred bucks, get a tent that already has the vent holes and everything mm -hmm. in it and set yourself up a drying tent. It would yeah. save you a lot of time. I think there's better options yeah. for easier. Get like a big wedding dress bag that you can pull out and clean in between things too. It helps a lot. <laughs> you might be causing a divorce there, Steve, but... <laughs> not the wise grab your wife's one. Yeah, that'd be great. Come in, just be like, sorry, honey, and take the bag off and put it back on the rack. my dress? What the fuck you do with that? That'd be great. <laughs> you don't need this. You're not gonna wear this again. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> so we have one more question there from Jinx, which was asked earlier: uh, Should male and female plants go into flower at the same time? For seed production so uh, you're supposed to flower the female a little earlier so it has time to grow like two weeks earlier will be enough and then you flower the male so you can get the pollen and put it onto a female plant that's already progressed a little bit into flower and then it's easier to pollinate that way as far as i understand it right i've never actually bred well, myself just that's how i think it's done if you're growing the same strain the males are always going to be a week or two ahead of the girls mm -hmm. anyway so you know it's it's not that big a deal yeah in nature that's what happens they flower at the same time so they make plenty know. of seeds in nature so yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so don't worry about it too much but I don't stress mm -hmm. but i would uh let the female go for a week or two first so it was a bit bigger to you know add pollen to it nature knows what it's doing man if you just start them off at the same time it'll do completely fine as well whatever works best for you but that's all the questions we have from the forum, right? Yeah, there we go. Just scroll down. There are all the questions how to answer. So thanks, everybody, for all the nice questions. If you have any more, then just drop them in the chat and we can read them out. But we haven't got long left before Marge has to leave. You said you have to leave. Doing something nice, Marge? Yeah, my uh, youngest daughter's birthday's today. Woohoo! Nice. Cool. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. And Bobo Hawk has already snuck out. You see, yes, it's very late, and Steve has to leave soon too. So, thanks for all the questions, everybody. We'll move on to the outro there and we'll say goodbye to everybody. Let's do it. And there you go, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Thank you for downloading this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned some things. And our special guest today was Steve Reisner from Potent Ponics podcast. So if you want to find out more about him, just simply Google Potent Ponics and you'll find everything you want to know about them guys. It's a super cool podcast and Steve is a cool guy. has a great content over on his YouTube channel. So go and check that out if you want to know more about that. But that's it for this week from High and Homegrown. We've done the cannabis news, the interview and the grow guides and we'll be back on sunday for the live show over on our youtube channel youtube.com slash high and homegrown it'll be good to see you over there if you're free of course 
And our special guest this week will be Martin Condon from Martin's World Podcast. He's going to be on the panel this week. So make sure you come and join us live if you're free. But if not, of course, next week we have the same thing again. Cannabis news, interview and grow guides. And I hope we can catch you next week for all of those episodes. So have a good weekend, everybody. Stay safe and stay high. And we'll see you on Sunday. Goodbye.